Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Critical Care Commute. Um, we have the awesome Dr. Matt Morgan back with us and some of you may recall we had him on before discussing one of his books, of course a staff intensivist in Perth, Australia and celebrated author. Matt, welcome back. Thank you, lovely to be here. So Matt, how's it been going since uh, the release of your book? Yeah, very good actually. I'm, as you say, I'm working in Australia in the Royal Perth Hospital in Western Australia at the minute, but actually heading back to the UK to return to work in Cardiff in just a week's time. So it's been a, a busy kind of spring, winter in Australia with book stuff, with working. I'm working as a full-time intensive care consultant in a big, busy trauma unit, which has been fantastic. And now the logistics of life, trying to uh, pack up our life here to return to the UK. So the tables have turned a little bit. Last time we spoke, it was winter in Canada. Of course, we're at uh, state of the art in Birmingham, UK now. So what's the weather like at the moment there? Yeah, well, I must say, you know, winter in Western Australia is still not really winter. In fact, I saw some people posting photos on Facebook because there was frost on their car and they were completely aghast by that. So there has been some drops of snow on some of the highest points in Western Australia. But summer here is, is you know, very hot and winter here is, is kind of pleasant, actually. I, I, I kind of prefer it to, uh, to summer in many ways. And, and temperature-wise, how, how cold does it get? Yeah, the, the absolute temperature is not, not crazy cold. You know, the lows uh, a couple of weeks ago were about 10 or something, which was pretty low for this time of year. But the houses aren't insulated. It's not really set up for long periods of coldness. So we are actually pretty cold. And it doesn't help that we are indoor camping at the minute because we've packed most of our goods up. They've been shipped back. So uh, we have limited furniture, but the rugs and fleeces are our friend. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, you were involved in a talk yesterday at State of the Art um, with uh, respiratory physiology and hypoxemia taken directly from your book and all the research, uh, presumably, that you did for your book. You mentioned a couple of animals and uh, um, I was hoping that we could highlight those again for our listeners. Yeah, perfect. And I guess the first thing to say, I was really chuffed to be asked to contribute towards this physiological session and I think I've taken a real circle with physiology in ICU I kind of did ICU because I loved the physiology that's probably why I fell in love with it and then when I started becoming involved in clinical research I realized that you know physiology is not enough you need to know what the evidence tells you to do but I really sense that there's maybe a rebirth of physiology, physiology 2.0 for intensive care. And, you know, the trials can get you so far. And we've had some amazing critical care trials recently presented at the meeting in Belfast, for example. But they can still only get you so far. So I think I've returned really to, to a love of physiology in, in the circle and it was great to try to bring some animals from evolutionary's deep past to hopefully throw some light on critically ill patients of today. Well, let's start. Let's take it from the top. Uh, you started with the frog, I believe it was. Yeah, that's probably one of the ways I got into this topic of comparative physiology. 
between the frog and the giraffe. They, they were probably my two uh, first loves, if you like. And the frog is interesting because it's a creature which breathes using positive pressure. And up until the world's first intensive care patient, a little 12-year-old girl called Vivi in 1952, 1953 in Copenhagen, positive pressure ventilation was really weird and abnormal for humans. And we thought for a long time, you know, it was relatively unique. Of course, we learnt that positive pressure ventilation can cause damage to lungs as well through barotrauma. And we now know how to safely ventilate people using driving pressures or tidal volume targets. But actually frogs have been breathing this way for millions of years. You know, the buccal cavity expands, it squeezes air down into its lungs, it uses positive pressure ventilation. And if you look at the spirometry in creatures like this, what's amazing is they use some of the very similar characteristics that our ventilators worth tens of thousands of pounds or dollars use. And they even use tidal volumes, which are very similar to the safe levels that we now know. Yeah, that was that was really peculiar. Uh, you, I think you mentioned even it comes down to six cc's per kilogram. Yeah, you know, it, it does very much depend on the species and the frog. And it's actually a ratio of surface area and ideal body weight and so on. But yeah, effectively, you know, frogs breathe using ARDS compliant ventilation. And the giraffe, you mentioned that's your other favorite? Yeah, I, I didn't mention too much about the giraffe in the talk, but uh, I, I love the giraffe because of the way, it, well, for a few reasons. Firstly, it deals with dead space in amazing ways. It has huge anatomical dead space, of course, because of its neck. And it breathes to minimize that dead space. In fact, it breathes the same way as just last week. I was looking after a patient with severe asthma in the intensive care unit here. And they were breathing with a very low respiratory rate, but a relatively high tidal volume in order to reduce that dead space component. And giraffes do exactly the same thing. And it's not only respiratory physiology they can inform. Uh, They also, of course, get blood to their brain, which is at the end of a two meter long ladder, if you like. Right. Of course, I was going to ask about that, too. Yeah, and and they use incredibly high blood pressures in order to maintain cerebral perfusion pressure. So they have the highest blood pressure of all land mammals. Uh, I could go on and talk about giraffes for ages. They've also got anti-gravity skin, which acts in a similar way to G-suits in fighter pilots. They can even show how evolution by uh, intelligent design is probably untrue uh, because their recurrent laryngeal nerve goes two meters in one direction, winds around an embryonic branchial arch, and then goes two meters back up the neck in the other direction, which doesn't seem very intelligent to me. Uh, Bringing it back to respiratory physiology, uh, the falcon, I believe, was next? Yes, the peregrine falcon. We talked about the peregrine falcon and how it can maybe help us care for patients who go on to what is now a common mode, of respiratory support, which is high-flow nasal oxygen. Um, In fact, as an aside, the history of high-flow is fascinating. It was actually developed to be used in racehorses. They develop 
hemorrhagic bronchiolitis, especially after a lot of training in, in racehorses that race professionally. And so they wanted to provide humidification to these horses. And unsurprisingly, it's difficult to put a NIV or a CPAP mask on a horse. Uh, it's hard enough on humans, yet alone a horse with a long face. So they developed this new technique of high flow. But of course, we realized, and we, we certainly saw in COVID and other conditions, how patients can develop lots of eye injuries. They develop very uh, excoriated mouths and noses from the high flows. They even can develop some tinnitus and deafness because the flows are so noisy. And this is something which the peregrine falcon, the world's fastest creature, uh, it dives up to 200 40 miles per hour it deals with this every day when it dives for prey and what the peregrine falcon does is the same as our professional nurses doctors physios in the intensive care unit do they protect their eyes with a third eyelid they protect their ears by having areas of feathering and, and anatomical changes to their ears and they also protect their nasal passages and others from pressure effects by, by blocking them. So, in fact, the peregrine falcon does exactly the same as we do for patients on high flow. Amazing. That brings us to, uh, the, there was a lizard, I believe, that you also mentioned. Yes, the Bedouin spiny-tailed lizard, uh, no least. And uh, one of the things I loved about uh, this book, One Medicine, which was out just in March this year, I'd kind of been thinking about the concept in it for for a long time, for five years, maybe longer than that. And so I was chuffed when the publisher said that they were happy for that to be the topic of number two, because it gave me the reason and the excuse to lean into that topic even more. So I looked through lots of bizarre um, journals and amphibian journals. I traveled to crazy places including canada uh, including alberta actually where i went to see the marmot that hibernates for up to nine months of the year and but one journal i stumbled across managed to record the flow and pressure characteristics of breathing in the bedouin spiny tail lizard (laughs) and the reason it caught my eye at all was because it looked exactly like the ventilator trace of a patient I'd been caring for that day who'd had severe respiratory failure and we'd trialled APRV on them. And the Bedouin spiny tail lizard uses APRV. It breathes to a PPI, it then oscillates at that point and then expires. And in fact, humans, even outside of the intensive care unit, breathe using APRV. You know, if you ever laugh which i hope lots of the people have done at the conference (laughs) over the last day or so and if they cry which perhaps many have done too uh, that is a form of aprv you know try it now you you breathe to peep high you oscillate in and out uh, when you laugh or cry and then you then you expire well matt um i want to thank you for highlighting these few animals uh with us again and spending time with us again and good luck with uh, with you with your move and and yeah all the best thank you leon have a fab conference many thanks to the organizers thanks to you and peter for this fab podcast and uh yeah look forward to seeing everybody soon